0: In our study of the Olivet Discourse of Jesus, we saw that his whole teaching was answering, in order, the three questions posed in Matthew 24, verse 3. Question 1 asked for the signs of the temple's destruction, which Jesus answered in Luke 21. Question 2 asked, what will be the sign of your coming, which he answered in Matthew 24, 4 31. Question 3 asked, what is the sign of the end of the age? Many assume that questions 2 and 3 are really two ways to ask the same question, but this is wrong. Now, it is true that the way they are asked together means that they are closely connected. For, in Matthew 24, 3, the disciples asked, What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? However, the fact these questions are linked together doesn't make them identical. We will see from Matthew twenty four thirty two onwards that Jesus uses the rest of his talk to answer question three. But also that this answer is necessarily dependent on his answer to question two, which is why he answered them in this order. The main reason for the confusion between questions two and three is a misunderstanding of what the end of the age means. There are two Greek words translated end in Matthew 24. In Jesus' answer to question two, He used the word telos, which means the final end point, because he was giving the signs of his second coming at the end of the tribulation. However, the word end used in question three is different. It is suntelia, which would better be translated as consummation. It literally means the time period connected with the final end. At school, there's a bell five minutes before the final end of the lesson. When it rings, it means we're now into the suntelia of the lesson, the closing period leading up to the final end. In English, we use the same word end for both ideas. So when I was a schoolteacher, the end of term could mean the last few days, which were often difficult. Or the final end, which was a time for rejoicing, for it was holiday time. So the end of the age is a technical term for the tribulation, the closing period of time leading up to the final end at the second coming of Christ. This explains why, having described all the events leading up to his second coming, he suddenly goes back in time in verse 32. Having answered question 2 about the signs of his second coming, he now has to answer question 3, which involves giving the signs of the tribulation. In other words, How can we know when we're getting close to the tribulation? To give the signs of the end of the age, or tribulation, means going back in time to the time leading up to the tribulation. Because warning signs, by definition, happen before the main event. So from verse 32, Jesus goes back to the time just before the tribulation, which is what most interests us, for we live in that time. We have seen that the signs of the second coming are the events of the tribulation. But now Jesus gives us the signs of the tribulation itself, so we can recognize when we're getting close to it. It might seem strange that Jesus broke the chronological order here, but he had a reason. For we will see that he needed to refer to his answer to question 2 in order to answer question 3. So as we read on, bear in mind, Jesus is answering question 3, and so is describing events at the close of the church age, just before the tribulation starts. From Jesus' answer, I believe that we are living in that time, just before the tribulation. We are the final generation, and Jesus is coming soon. We talk about the signs of the times happening around us, and that's exactly what Jesus is talking about now. According to question three, there is a special period of the church age, just before the tribulation, which has certain signs associated with it that confirm that the tribulation is very close. And I believe from the signs that Jesus gave here that we are living in that time. Although the main part of the Olivet Discourse is in Matthew 24, there's also additional material in Luke 21, and it's Jesus' words in Luke twenty-one twenty-eight that actually introduce this new section. He said, but when these things begin to take place, straighten up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. It's the rapture draws near, so look up is what he's saying. Notice how he links his answer to what he had said before by referring to these things. These things are the world conditions and events in the tribulation that he's just been describing. But now he says that these things will have a beginning in the time before the tribulation. These things will begin to take place before the tribulation. He's saying when you see the beginnings of these things, then you know the tribulation is approaching. In other words, world conditions don't spring up overnight. There is a continuity of history. The Bible describes the tribulation, you see, in great detail including Israel being in the land, advanced technology, globalization, great evil, and so on. But such things do not suddenly happen. They must already be developing in the time just before the tribulation. So Jesus is telling us to consider the things that will be full grown in the tribulation and to look for when they begin to spring up. He's pointing to the fact that these things must have their origin in the time just before the tribulation. Thus when all these things begin to happen, that's a sign that we're in the special period of time at the close of the church age, for these things prepare the way for the events of the tribulation. Thus, the signs of being in the time just before the Tribulation are a set of world conditions which increasingly conform to conditions in the Tribulation. I call them continuity signs. and This is why Jesus had to first describe the Tribulation before explaining how to discern how close we are to it. For example, in the tribulation, there's a very high level of technology as required by the mark of the beast and the fact that the whole world sees the death and resurrection of the two witnesses. Technology doesn't just appear at once, so one of the signs of being in the time just before the tribulation is a rapid increase in science and technology, and that certainly fits our time uniquely. Another key aspect of the tribulation is that Israel is back as a nation in her land for the Antichrist makes a covenant with her at the start of the tribulation. Many other prophecies, including the Olivet Discourse, require this also. But for most of church history, Israel was scattered to the nations, and only in recent history, since 1948, has Israel been a nation again, which is necessary for the stage to be set for the tribulation. So these things are beginning to happen. Jesus said that when these things begin to happen, don't panic, but look up, because our redemption in the, in the rapture draws near. These signs are like the initial appearing of trees in the springtime when they put forth their leaves, which is a sign that summer is near when they will be bearing all their fruit. Likewise, when we see all these things begin to happen, we know we're in the springtime, just before the summer heat of the tribulation, when all these things will come to their fullness. In fact, Jesus used this exact analogy. That's why he now starts using trees to represent these signs of the tribulation, because trees, like world conditions, develop in a continuous way. Having said in Luke twenty one twenty eight, when these things begin to take place, he went on in verse 29 to say, behold the fig tree and all the trees. He compares these things or signs to trees. I call them tribulation trees because they're full grown in the tribulation, bearing their fruit, either good or bad. But they must necessarily start to spring up in the time beforehand. And that is how we can know when tribulation summer is near. Luke 21, 29 says, Behold the fig tree and all the trees, as soon as they put forth leaves, you see it, and you know for yourselves that summer is now near. He's saying that when you see all the tribulation trees beginning to put forth leaves, then it must be spring, and so summer must be getting close. He's saying, compare the present world to how it will be in the tribulation, and that will tell you how close we are. Then in verse 31 he said, So you also, when you see these things happening, recognize that the kingdom of God is near. Notice again the trees are compared to the things that begin to happen just before the tribulation and come to their fullness in the tribulation. They are also the signs we are expected to see. When it says the kingdom is near, remember that it's in the tribulation that the kingdom of God forces itself upon the kingdoms of this world and overcomes them. It does not do this all at once, but over seven years in order to give as many as possible the chance to be saved. Then in verses 32 and 33, Jesus gave a time limit for this final generation, saying, For truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. In other words, the generation who sees all these trees springing up will not all pass away before the Lord's return. Thus, it will all take place within a man's lifetime, which has a maximum of 120 years, according to Genesis 6.3. Now, the first and most important sign that Jesus gave for being in the time just before the tribulation is the sign of the fig tree. In fact, this is the only tree mentioned in Matthew 24. Matthew twenty four thirty two says, Now learn the parable of the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves in the spring, you know that summer is near. So you too, when you see all these things, recognize that it, the tribulation, is near, right at the door. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. In the Bible, the fig tree is consistently a symbol of Israel. The proof that Jesus was talking about Israel is his reference to the parable of the fig tree. This was referring to a parable he had previously given in Luke 13, 6-9, where the fig tree undeniably represents Israel. He was now bringing this parable to its conclusion. In Luke 13, he describes coming to the fig tree for three years and finding no fruit, that is, no faith. God says that they will give the fig tree one more year to bear fruit, otherwise he will cut it down and remove it from the land. The day before, Jesus gave the Olivet Discourse. He symbolically acted this out by cursing a fig tree on the Mount of Olives, again for not bearing fruit and it started to weather from its roots. So when Jesus referred to the fig tree, his disciples knew he was talking about Israel. This was a prophetic action. And likewise, the spiritual cutting off of Israel in AD 33 was later manifested in AD 70 when Israel was physically cut down and scattered to the nations. On the next day, the very same day as this teaching, the disciples saw that this fig tree had completely withered up. Jesus chose that same day and same place on the Mount of Olives to also declare that it was not the end of the story for the fig tree, Israel, for it will rise up again in the end times. Although he'll cut it down, it will rise up again and put forth leaves, and when it does, it will be a major sign of being in the end times. So the fig tree is Israel cut down for rejecting Christ, but destined to rise again, and when it does, we can know that the tribulation is near. Thus, the major sign of being in the end times, near the end of the church age, just before the tribulation, is the rebirth of Israel as a nation in her land. The disciples did not ask Jesus why he cursed the fig tree, but how he did it. And that's when he explained the word of faith in Mark 11:22 and 23. He said, have faith in God, for verily I say to you that whoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass he shall have whatsoever he says. Now Jesus will practice what he preaches. For this mountain, he said, was the mountain he was standing on. That's the Mount of Olives and Zechariah 14 tells us that he'll do that. It says, Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle, and his feet shall stand on that day on the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the middle, toward the east and toward the west, and there shall be a very great valley, and half the mountain shall be removed to the north, and half of it to the south. According to Mark 11.23, he will do this by speaking the word of faith. Also, the context in both Luke and Matthew confirms that the fig tree represents Israel. In Matthew twenty-four thirty-one, Jesus described the final regathering of Israel at the second coming, which is the fig tree in her fullness, bearing fruit at the end of the tribulation. So the corresponding sign in the time before the tribulation would be Israel's initial regathering to the land. So it's fitting that in the next verse he pointed to the fig tree putting forth its leaves. Likewise in Luke 21:24, Jesus predicted Israel will be scattered to the nations but will later return to the land and recapture Jerusalem. Then he immediately described the things of the tribulation in verses 25 to 27, implying that Israel's rebirth as a nation must happen just before the tribulation and so constitutes a sign that the tribulation is near. He then confirmed this in verse 28 by saying that when you see Israel in the land and all the other things of the tribulation begin to happen, then look up because the rapture is near. So it's fitting that in verse 29, he compared these events to the fig tree and all the trees, where the fig tree is Israel. Clearly, there are a number of signs all growing together in the time just before the tribulation and coming to their full manifestation in the tribulation. But the primary sign is the fig tree. So Jesus is saying that the major sign of being in the time just before the end of the age is the rebirth of Israel as a nation. The fig tree has reappeared in 1948 and put forth leaves for all to see, just as Jesus predicted. So we are living well into the last days of the church age. This was the greatest miracle of all history. For a nation to be scattered to the nations for 1900 years and then suddenly be reborn as a nation again in her original land, it's unheard of. So the rebirth of Israel out of the birth pains of the Holocaust is a major sign to the nations that the God of Israel is still alive and that his prophecies and his promises are coming to pass. Notice Jesus predicts Israel will initially be regathered in unbelief before the tribulation, for she is described as having leaves, not fruit. But this is a sign that summer is soon to come, in which she will increasingly bear the fruit of faith in the Messiah. Israel must be back as a nation in the land, before the tribulation, because the stage must be set before the final act begins, which is the tribulation. Most of the action will be centred on the nation of Israel, so we should expect the small nation of Israel to increasingly become centre stage in international affairs and controversy. Israel's restoration before the tribulation requires the recapture of the old city of Jerusalem, for there will be a rebuilt, functioning Jewish temple in the tribulation. This was fulfilled in 1967. Then Jesus said those alive to see the events of 1948 will not all pass away before his coming. That's in Matthew 24, 34. Truly I say to you, this generation shall not pass away until all these things take place. So the sign of the fig tree tells us we are in the last generation. He then reinforced this amazing claim by saying in verse 35, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall not pass away. In other words, I mean what I say, you can count on it. Israel, you see, is God's time clock, but people have misinterpreted these verses as saying that Jesus will return within a generation from 1948 and then they come up with a number for a generation. And that's why there was much excitement in 1988 because 1948 plus 40 years is 1988. But it doesn't say the length of time is a generation, but this generation shall not pass away. In other words, it must be within a man's lifetime from when these trees begin to appear but however you look at it we must be getting very close to the end and it will be in most of our lifetimes although matthew just mentions the fig tree according to luke jesus told us to look for the fig tree and all the trees so jesus is saying it's not just about the fig tree but other trees as well that we need to pay attention to so the signs of the approaching tribulation are called all the trees, which correspond to all the things, all these things, that are full grown in the tribulation, but which will begin in the time just before. Just as summer's approach is signalled by the all the trees putting forth their leaves, so when we see all the world conditions moving towards the Bible's description of the tribulation, we know we are close. So when we see all these trees, see them all happening together, we know that the tribulation is near. So these trees are the signs we are to look for. Signs are described as trees, because they're not just one-off events, but maturing world conditions, increasingly matching the characteristics of the tribulation. Although they only reach fullness in the tribulation, they must appear and begin growing in the time before. So signs of being in the time before the tribulation are the springing up of all these tribulation trees, which cast a shadow on the time just before it. We will now deduce what these trees are from what the Bible says about the tribulation and observe that they have indeed sprung up in the last hundred years in a unique way. Some of these trees are manifestations of evil forces that have been working and growing throughout the age, but will only be allowed to come to fullness in the tribulation when their evil fruit will be ripe for judgment. Tribulation tree number one is that evil and lawlessness will come to its fullness during the tribulation. So continuity requires a great decline in private and public morality in the time just before the tribulation to prepare the way for this final manifestation of evil. This is why Paul predicts this exact thing will happen in the last days of the church age in 2 Timothy 3. This describes our times very well. Tribulation tree number 2 was described by Jesus in terms of great spiritual deception and falling away from the faith in the tribulation. Continuity requires that the time leading up to the tribulation will see a great increase in deception and apostasy from the true biblical faith. We've seen this also in the last hundred years. Tribulation tree number three concerns the Antichrist. In the tribulation, the ultimate incarnation of evil, a devil-possessed man, will be revealed and come to power called the beast. For a short time, he will head a one-world government, economy and religion. This final manifestation is presently being held back by the Church, but the spirit of Antichrist is already at work according to 1 John 4.3, increasingly so as we approach the end, until it manifests in the Antichrist himself. Thus, its increased activity is a sign of us being in the last times. The spirit of Antichrist denies faith in God and Jesus Christ. Anti means against Christ, or instead of Christ and we've seen both aspects manifest greatly in modern times in a unique way. First, in the growth of secular humanism, using evolution. Taking over public life is against Christ, seeking to remove him from human affairs. Second, the growth of Islam worldwide, which denies Christ as the Son of God and offers a religion and way of salvation that is instead of Christ. Both are working to establish their own one-world government, economy and religion. It remains to see which one will briefly succeed in the Antichrist. Tribulation tree number four is a one-world religion. Revelation 17 describes a harlot church called Mystery Babylon, which Antichrist destroys at mid-tribulation in order to replace it with a one-world religion centered on the worship of himself. Thus we expect the end time to see the rise of a worldwide interfaith movement, which in the name of unity downplays the emphasis on the Bible and the person of Christ and the true gospel of salvation through faith alone. Even different religions are seen as equally valid ways to God. This includes unifying with unbelieving liberal churches and Protestants returning to Mother Rome and even joining with other religions in worship, as with Chrislam. Tribulation tree number five is a one-world global government and economy that will be set up at mid-tribulation, as described in Revelation 13, as man aims to rebuild the Tower of Babel independently from God. But actually Satan will control it, all through his Antichrist, that's typified by Nimrod. So, just before the tribulation, we expect to see great movements towards globalisation, along with rapid advances in communication and technology, to make this all possible. And this is uniquely true about our time in history. Global forces are preparing the way for a one world order. After World War I, mankind started to build international institutions like the League of Nations 1920. Then after World War II, this accelerated with the IMF and the UN 1945 and the EU 1951. God will let this humanistic tower of Babel reach its full proud height before again sending it crashing down. Tribulation tree number six is Israel and the Middle East. Prophecy requires Israel to be back in her land before the tribulation and to become the centre stage in world affairs. The final battle will be over Israel. The tribulation starts with Antichrist making a peace treaty with Israel, so there must be a Middle East controversy requiring a saviour there. The current situation since 1948 with Israel reborn in the land, but in an increasingly tough neighbourhood, certainly agrees with this. Tribulation tree number seven is Europe and Islam. The Bible predicts a final beast empire over which Antichrist will become absolute dictator at mid-tribulation. This cannot just appear. This tree must be growing in the years before the tribulation. Now, it's a matter of current prophetic debate as to whether the final beast empire is a revived Roman empire, a European empire, or a revived Ottoman empire, an Islamic empire. And I'm keeping an open mind on this issue, as both are possible. In either case, both trees are in place. We certainly see the drive to, to create a revived Roman Empire as the EU moves towards a federal Europe, which fits the feet of mixed iron and clay autocracy and democracy in Daniel 2. This only happened after World War Two. A clear sign of the end times is that an end time Roman Empire, revived Rome, is developing before our eyes as prophecy predicts, and it has an antichrist spirit in its aggressive secularism. Also, the growth of Islam has renewed its confidence and the desire to restore the caliphate and a united Islamic empire. If successful, it would match many details of the description of the end time beast. It would be Antichrist in its denial of the deity, death and resurrection of Christ. Tribulation tree number eight is Russia. Ezekiel 38 predicts an end time invasion of Israel from the far north led by Russia, either before the tribulation or right at its start. It pictures her as a large, powerful country led by a strongman dictator called Gog, invading Israel for spoil. She's joined by other nations such as Iran, Turkey and other Islamic nations. Present political conditions are certainly in place for this to happen, for every invading nation mentioned wants to destroy Israel. The catalysts could be Israeli action against Iran's nuclear sites and the Palestinian issue. Also, Israel's recent discovery of vast oil and gas wealth off her shores, as well as underground shale oil, could be the hook in Russia's mouth, causing her to invade as her future economy and ambitions depend on controlling the energy market. Tribulation tree number nine is advanced science and technology. The tribulation is a time of advanced science. And so to prepare the way for this, the years leading up to it must be years of great scientific progress. And certainly this is uniquely true about the last hundred years with computers, planes, TV, satellites and so on. If someone read the book of Revelation 200 years ago, they would have had a very hard time understanding how it could all come to pass. But when we read it now, it could be tomorrow's newspaper, because the technology has drawn very close to what it's like in Revelation. It's out of the realm of fantasy, and it's into the realm of reality. Daniel 12.4 says, seal up the book until the end time, the end of time. Many will go back and forth, and knowledge will increase. This predicts that the end times will be marked, by a great increase in knowledge and worldwide communications and travel. And that's exactly what's happened in modern times. There's been a massive increase of knowledge and communications through computers and the internet. Worldwide travel is unique to the times that we live in. For thousands of years the level of technology in the world didn't change much until about hundred and fifty years ago when it started rising exponentially. And this is a sign of being in the end times. This technology will enable the worldwide preaching of the Gospel in the tribulation. There must be worldwide satellite TV in the tribulation because Revelation 11 9 to 12 tells us that when the beast kills the two witnesses the whole world will see their dead bodies lying on the temple mount for three and a half days. It also tells us that the whole world will see them rise up from the dead and ascend into heaven. It's only possible with satellite TV, internet and live international news. (music) you <music>